It's in the game. Yeah! New It's in the Game here on the Cruise Control Podcast. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. And I'm joined by Rob Lopez from Death Pen Sports. Rob, my man, how you doing? What's going on, Randy? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. Uh, you, everybody out there, you can follow uh, the show on both SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast. Download, rate, comment, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we do have shirts online at prowrestlingtees.com. Again, prowrestlingtees.com. Happy Halloween to you, Rob. Uh, are you going out there uh, in costume tonight or no? You know, man, I haven't done Halloween in a long time. <laughs> the last time I can remember doing it, um, I dressed up as a, a hot dog because it was last minute. I was having a party at my apartment, but like hot dog. Yeah, I don't know. I just grabbed oh, something man. from the you know the pop up Halloween store down the block or whatever. I was like, all right, I got to do this because I was having a party at my house. But like, I haven't done Halloween in a long time. But I do enjoy the uh, the good costumes, especially like some of the creative ones. The NBA ones are always fun. So yeah, I'll be looking out for them. Yeah, we've seen um, uh, recently Dame Lillard came uh, came out as a uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We had uh, Steph Curry last year with a jigsaw puppet on on, a, on a, the cycle. Uh, a, a lot of creative ones out there. Um, so you know, hope you go out there and, and enjoy the holiday today. Um, but we do have a lot of NBA stuff to to get to. Even recently, where uh, as of right now, this whole Jimmy Butler saga. With the T-Wolves, is he going to stay? Is he going to play? Is he going to get traded? As of right now, uh, tonight they have a game against Utah, and I think tomorrow or Friday against the Warriors, one one of those two days. But he's going to sit out, and they're calling it, uh, you know, quote-unquote rest. Um, but there are reports that he just, he just doesn't want to play in, in, in the game tonight. Uh, what do you make of the whole Jimmy Butler saga? Uh, how long do you expect him to remain in Minnesota? And is there a team that you kind of see him going to? We heard Houston was trying to unload four first-round draft picks, which I think is a little too high, but it's whatever. But what's your take on the whole Butler saga with Minnesota, and where do you think he ends up uh, this season? Well, you know, with this new information that's coming out, um, you know, a little bit before we started recording, um, it's in, it's oh, it's a red flag to me in the sense that he's going to sit out a game against the Utah Jazz and possibly against the Warriors. I mean, that's those are huge games. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like those are two of the best teams in the West, if not two of the best three, if not the two top teams in the West. By you know, some people think it's Warriors and Jazz are up top the West this year uh, when it's all said and done. And to have him sit out even one of those games, I think that's an issue, man. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's a different it's a different thing, you know, out east where where uh, a guy like Kawhi Leonard sits out, misses the first, you know, a, a matchup against the Bucks where both teams are undefeated. Um, you could say, you know, the Bucks have a little bit of a cushion here. Maybe nobody expected them to start six and zero in the season, so they can sit him for a game. But you know, the Wolves are up and down this year, and the Wolves need to make up as much ground as they can in the Western Conference. And for Butler to not play for a rest or whatever. Or, or to sit out whatever his manage, time management stuff is and and if it is still him trying to get acclimated after missing training camp that's an issue dude like that's not a, that's not a good to have I understand still early in the season they haven't even played 10 games yet but in the Western Conference all these games count I mean look at the Rockets right now look at the yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder you know they're losing the teams that are, are, are either you know 
competing against them in the standings or a team like, you know, the, the Kings are, are, are one of the best teams in the West right now. They oh, won boy. four in a row. So you can't be losing these te- games early, especially the teams you're supposed to beat or, or compete with, um, especially in the Western Conference. I just, I don't, I don't like it and I don't like where it's going. And now there's like conflicting reports that like he's sitting out, you know, to try to do something with his leverage. But then there's also reports that there was miscommunication and that he's just sitting out for rest. And it's just a messy situation. It's just, mm-hmm. I think, I think the Wolves need to do something to nip it in the bud. And I think eventually when it's all said and done, I think the owner Glenn Taylor is going to make a choice and, and kind of supersede Tom Thibodeau. Honestly, I, I just think that Glenn Taylor is the type of guy that he's kind of like Dolan in the sense of, of if he wants to get something done, he's going to get it done eventually. Um, maybe Dolan was a little bit of a quicker trigger. Of course, everybody points to the mellow contract as a thing or the mellow trade as a thing. You know, he kind of pulled the trigger on a, a bit earlier than he should have. But anyway, but but back to Butler, I mean, I think the owner is going to pull the trigger. And I, and I honestly think it's going to be a team that's going to be coming out of nowhere. Uh that's going to present them an offer of maybe a young guy with a couple picks attached and then, uh, you know, steal Butler for a couple months. I mean, look at a, a team like Denver, for example, you know, you could do something where you involve one of their younger guys, whether that's a trade, uh, Trey Lyles, I believe is on the, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Trey Lyles is still with them there. Yeah. A, a guy like Trey Lyles or, or, um, some of their younger guys, a Juancho Hernan Gomez, especially now that, well, Barton's out. Um, maybe even if you want to get a little, little, little crazy with it, maybe you can talk about Jamal Murray involved with Jeff Teague. I don't know. There's there's teams out there that could use a guy like Butler, obviously, to, to take them to the next level. The, I think the offer from Miami is just kind of like, hey, look, we're putting everything on the t- or the offer from Houston's like, hey, look, we're putting everything on the table besides Eric Gordon. You know, this is what we got. We got all these picks. You know, we have some contracts that we can match, so we can take you know match money. Uh, we have extra money that we can put on the table, so we can even like try to facilitate Gorgie Jang. Um, but I think if the Rockets want to get that involved, I think they might have to include a third team, mm-hmm. just so that way Houston can kind of s- split the picks, so to speak. You know, maybe Minnesota gets two and whoever the third team is that's going to take on a contract like Jang um, or even somebody else like Brandon Knight. If that's the case, then I think another team would have to get compensated. But for Houston to put that on the table like that, um, I agree with you. I think that's a lot for him. Even if you do have protections now, uh, understandably, as the years goes on, those protections aren't going to be as good. Obviously, they're going to have the best protections now. Or, or probably best protection. Either way, one of the ways is going to be you know best protections, so that way they're not using losing all four picks, similar to kind of like the Nets did. But again, I mean, you can't predict that. You can't sit here and trade. You know, those picks are going to go into twenty twenty five. You know, that's a lot of time from now. That's seven years from yeah. now. Harden's probably going to be out of his prime by then. I imagine Chris Paul will be long retired, probably a couple of years already into retirement. Uh, Clint, Clint Capella might be gone too. I mean, this team could be completely different in, in three years, let alone five. So for Houston to kind of lay everything onto the table like that is interesting. But it, this this has to be resolved. This situation has to resolve because you can't just keep doing this. You can't. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's hmm. it's still, I've never seen where a guy says, hey, I want to be traded and still playing with the team and like still dapping up the dudes he was talking trash about this is insane to me on the court like should give him high fives and you know good teammate i'll give him that but like it's kind of crazy i I just think i'm surprised it's still going this long um you know talking talking to a couple reporters who are in the know or or listening to some podcasts from Woj or, or zach lowe they're all saying that 
you know, December 15th obviously is the day. That's the day when guys who sign contracts in the summer can officially be traded. Um, that's when, you know, if you remember a couple years back, Lance Stevenson, when he first signed with the Hornets, he was basically traded on like December 15th. Like they were like, all right, yeah, we're done with you yeah. after only a month with him. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think, I don't think, I don't think this Butler situation is going to go into, into Christmas. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if it went to the trade deadline. I'd be utterly shocked if he stayed there all season. I think for me, man, you know, when everything started last month that he wanted out and we we went from he wanted to go to the Clippers, to Brooklyn, to New York, and obviously he's not there. We had Miami come up with a couple of deals with Josh Richardson and, and, um, and Bam and they'll make it the Rockets involved for four first round picks, which I think is a little too much. I know Butler's great. Um, you know, two-time All-Star, averaging twenty-three, five and and four right now in in the, in the early season. But for me, man, I think Houston will be giving up too much if it's only the four first-round picks. And reading as you were talking, reading online, where you know today, you know they acquired Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight um, in that I think in the the Phoenix deal. But now today they could be eligible to be traded. So if Houston who doesn't want to give up P.J. Tucker or, I doubt, four first-round picks, they can say, hey, here's Brandon Knight. Here's Marquise Chris. Here's two, one or two first-round draft picks here to for Jimmy Butler. That still may not be a, a lot, but, uh, you know, depending on what those first-round picks uh, end up being. But uh, I just feel like you know, it's crazy and it's funny how he can say, I want to be traded, still don't get traded, Go to the the workouts and the practice and the games and, and and do work, and he's still there. And I think for me, at the same time, Minnesota has put the, themselves in a corner where you have your star player who wants who wants to be out, but then when you're going in these uh, talks with other teams, your asking price is kind of too high, you know, to, to for their standards. So you you're, you're kind of throwing teams off. Say, I, I know you have a guy who, who, who doesn't want to be on your team, but you want to get rid of him, but you're asking for too much, and we're, we're not going to you know, overload our roster just to help you guys out. So that's why I think Butler is still there. Is he there? We're, we're about to be in November. Is he there by Christmas? I, I'll be shocked. You said trade deadline. I think that is the ultimate shocker of the season if he's still there by that time. But then it's like, who's going to give up the right adequate amount for a star like him, you know the best fit for and him. on a short contract. On a short contract, so you know, I mean, he's now, a rental essentially. Like exactly. if he, if if you're not a team on that list, the Clippers, Knicks, Nets list, you're basically getting him to 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 the end of the season. Right. So like a team like the Rockies, you know, I, I would not trade four first round picks. Then you know, come July first, all right, I'm out. Like what? I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna mortgage my future for you to, to for you to be a rental. I, I need guarantee that, that you stay here going forward. The thing with Houston, though, is that Houston has an advantage over basically any other team outside of his list is he's from that area. You know what I'm saying? Like that's home for him. He's he's used to talk about playing for the Rockets all the time. So they have like an advantage. So I can understand why they might think, hey, we can get him long term. But any other team, I'm just like, why would you do that? 
why would you do that? But even still, even with him being, even with him being from there, he's still 28, I believe 29, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not the healthiest player in his time in the NBA. I mean, you know, we see him diving on the floor. He's a high energy, um, high impact player, but you know, he does get hurt a lot. And his, I, I understand people saying he has, you know, he doesn't have a lot of miles because his career kind of started late in the NBA. I understand that, you know, he really didn't get going until like his third season in the league or whatever, second season. And I understand that. But at the same time, you know, he's still going to be 30, 31. Um, and if you're going to resign him to a four or five year max, you know, he's going to be 34 years old. You know, you don't know what you have at that point. You don't know how, you know, maybe a lot of these wear and tear of playing for Tibbs and, and, and being as high effort as he as he is if that's going to catch up to him down the line yeah because i doubt uh, they're going to sit him out for a quote-unquote general soreness come on rob no i agree <laughs> i agree i agree i mean look i, I agree uh, he can't be that sore you play like nine games in the season uh I that's think- my point and especially against a team like the jazz or a team like the Warriors, you right. can't miss these games. You know what I mean? Like exactly. I'm, and plus, I understand you know, if those the Suns or something. Even the Suns are not a slouch, but you know, yeah. I understand if it was a, the Hawks. I get it, but like you can't <laughs> yeah. miss these games. Yeah, or, or, or even Sacramento, but now they're five and three. But right. you know, they're he's, actually decent. He's he's twenty nine, like you said, from Houston. But my thing is, what kind of threw me off was that all right? If if I say I want to be traded again, he has no trade clause, so you know, the leverage is not really all the way there. But then why would you say the Clippers, Brooklyn, and the Knicks as your, your initial destination? And if, you, if you're from Houston, why not say, you know what, Houston is one of the two, three teams that I, I, I want to go to? Right. That's the interesting part there, too, is like, why wouldn't you say Houston? Right. Uh, maybe he was thinking that, like, you know, maybe it couldn't be a possibility. Because if you look at those three teams there – you can notice a trend between all three of them. One, they currently don't have a, a guy under a huge contract that's a marquee star. You know, Chris Stapps is probably the one that's going to be the one that gets that big contract like very soon. I believe he's going to get his max deal, I would assume, after this season, probably after they see how he looks when he comes back on the floor. Um, but, you know, the Nets don't are looking for that max guy. The Clippers don't have a max guy. You know, Tobias Harris, I believe, or Gallo is their highest played guy, but they're not max contract guys. And uh, same thing with the Nets and, and the Knicks. The Knicks, like I said, only have Chris Apps. So I understand, like, maybe he was thinking in the sense of, hey, you know, business-wise or um, trade-wise, it probably wouldn't make sense. I don't think I could get to Houston anyway. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure Jimmy knows and everybody in the NBA knows that, like, you know, Maury, if he has any opportunity to improve, mm-hmm. uh, Maury's going to take that opportunity. And I think that's what Maury's doing right now. He's kind of calling bluffs here, I think, more than anything. I don't really think at the end of the day that Maury's going to give up four first-round picks. Right. I think Maury's kind of puffing his chest up a little bit and saying, hey, you know what? Screw this. You want picks? Here, four first-round picks because – that's what's that's what the owner wants. The owner wants to secure future. He wants some value back. And Tibbs is on the other hand saying, "Hey, I want something back." That's why Eric Gordon is the name that keeps getting brought up, brought up, brought up because mm. Eric Gordon can help them ball handling, provide shooting. He basically would be an upgrade of what Jamal Crawford was for them last year. Um, so I understand that, and I understand where right. they're coming from. But I think a lot of it's a lot of posturing from Houston, mm-hmm. puffing their chest, like I said, puffing their chest and saying, "Hey, look, we're putting it all on the table. What do you guys want to do?" So. Um, if if I'm Houston, I would try to, you know, still try to do it, but don't work with your future. Don't do it. And I don't think Maury's gonna. Yeah. Don't 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 do what uh New York did. Or don't do what Brooklyn did. Yeah. 
Knicks traded a first for Bargnani for what nine months? I mean, Jesus, oh, man. Yeah, and then gave up a first to 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 get uh, Camby. Right. Like, <laughs> well, it can, it, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, it's insane. Uh, speaking of Houston, they're not doing too well. I think they're one one in five. Uh, they've lost four in a row. A team that I think majority of people out there ha- have them at least in the conference semis, the most conference finals against the Warriors. You know, some could say Lakers, and now Utah's climbing up, Denver. But this team, again, Harden has been out with injuries, so, you know, let's let's put that to the side. But um, plus Chris Paul got, got uh, suspended for two games. But this team looks different from last year. Defensively, they look terrible compared to last year, losing Bao Mute and Trevor Reza. You know, that's the narrative now. Uh, they do gain Carmelo Anthony and, you know, MCW. And it just seems to be, you know, the Rockets, who were scoring at will last year, you know, getting 89 you know, nowadays, every every other team in today, today's NBA is scoring 130, 140, 150, whatever case may be. Warriors just had 140-plus with Clay scoring 52, and the Rockets can get barely 90. Uh, they're 1-5, four in a row they lost. You know, now with the whole Butler saga of getting traded, do you think they feel like, all right, right now could be the time to get someone to come in and kind of help us out? And where do you think they go from here? I think they have to do something. I think they have to do something for a shakeup, um, especially, you know, last night. I don't think uh, I'm pretty sure James Harden didn't play last night. But still, I mean, you only got 80. What was it? Like you said, 85 points against a team in the Blazers who are not, um, you know, the Blazers aren't aren't the Utah Jazz in the sense of they're not going to shut you down defensively. You know what I mean? Uh, So that's kind of that's kind of not great. I just think that they they want to try to do something to try to spark that spark that perimeter um, third man switchy defense obviously Butler would be a great addition to that try to get him involved in the rotations um, try to get him involved in that perimeter put Mello and or Tucker coming off the bench playing alongside guys like you know um, Eric Gordon and, and and Harden and Paul but it's just Houston looks weird and they, and they sound defeated you know, if you listen to Mike D'Antoni's comments last night, he said that they don't have it. Mm. They lost their mojo. You know, he's he joked about not liking this style of the NBA because, you know, the, the, the Blazers put up, you know, they attempted 23s last night and the Rockets attempted 43 um, and Houston only hit 10. So that's a big issue. Uh, you know, Mello was two for 12. Like they're having issues not only defensively, like you said, lost a lot of guys defensively. But, you know, if they can't knock their shots down, if they can't hit those shots – that's going to be an even bigger issue for them because not only are you not defending the point of attack as much as you want to. I mean, Chris Paul's still a fine defender, but he's nothing like he was in his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not if you're not good defensively, then you need to outscore teams. And if they can't hit shots, they're not going to outscore teams. It's I mean, it's really that simple. Um, you know, it, it's tough to see what um, what they're going through, especially with guys like a you know Chris Paul and Clint Capella are really good. I mean, Clint Capella had a good game last night, fourteen and fourteen. Um, you know, you want to you want to do as much as you can to get the most out of those opportunities from those ancillary guys, third string guys, third ring guys, or whatever. Um, but you know, it's tough for them without Harden on the court. And I understand that they're just going through the pains, going through the motions right now. But one in five, like I said earlier, like one in five, like. That's not good. That's not a great start 
in the league, no. and that's not a great start in the West, especially. I mean, one in five, you know, that's a lot of games to be already behind the eight ball, basically, to start the season. It's like basically starting the season and say, hey, you know what? Put three losses on our board right off rip. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you look at the standings, it's Dallas, Houston, and Phoenix down there, and that's insane. I, you know, yeah. to see that is crazy. And for the fact that you, you know, you, you lose to the Clippers twice. Right. Um, Bad losses. They had Pelicans, the Lakers, Utah, uh, Portland. Uh, and again, those are all playoff teams. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like those are all teams they gotta beat. Especially being the two, the the number one seed last year, you have to beat these teams. You can't be one in five. No, but I think you know they have a little little favorable schedule coming up. Uh, they got Brooklyn coming up, Chicago. Yeah, it'll balance out. Then they have Indiana, OKC, uh, San Antonio, whatever. But uh, I think, do you think the narrative of you know it seems to it seems to be easy for a fan or the media to be like, well, you know, once Carmelo goes to a new team, it's over. He doesn't play defense. And he can't score no more. He he's washed up. Do you think that that becomes the narrative too much, too quick, where, you know, they do sign him to Houston. He's, he's still getting acclimated. You know, they, they, wanted to, they wanted him to come off the bench, number one. Now, I think he's starting. So do you think it's just, it's just easy for people to say, oh, just, just blame Melo? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the big that's the big name. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't nobody said anything last year when when, you know, a guy like Luka Mbamute or, or uh, Trevor Ariza were on the team and, and how they made an impact defensively. Nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to talk to us about the sexy name, which is Mello. Mm-hmm. And, you know, go to Mello and, and Mello is going to slow down your offense. He's going to shoot two for 12. He's going to be a sieve on defense. Um, you know, you might as well have not traded for Ryan Anderson. You know, all this stuff that's going to come out. Obviously, it's just he's an easy target, you know, because because you're looking. Look at him and his peers right now. You know what I'm saying? You look at LeBron um, in L.A., you know, they're struggling too a little bit. But still, I mean, LeBron's making the most out of being in L.A. He's playing great this season, even though the Lakers aren't looking great. I mean, the Lakers aren't even like that bad. Their point differential is like mm. point minus point four. So like that's really not like you're losing games by like a like two points, basically. Um so, and then go to Dwayne Wade, you know, it's one last dance. It's his final hurrah. So the, both of those guys have looked at it in a great light and now they're picking on Melo. It's unfortunate, you know, future Hall of Famer um, right. is such an easy target, but you know, that's, that's just going to be what it is. I mean, I think the bigger issue for Houston though, is their defense. And, and also, I mean, they're Owen four at home. They're the only team to loot, to not have a win at home this season with playing a minimum of three games at home. Like that's yeah. kind of insane. You need to win those home games. Like, Houston's just not doing the things that they should be doing. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's really like as simple as that. And 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 again, you know, they're six games in. So um, like you pointed out, they're, they're, the schedule's going to correct itself. Uh, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul will get things going, and you know maybe they'll trade for Butler or maybe they'll trade for somebody else and, mm. and bring in a a guy that can help them out either defensively or um, add to the scoring um, output there. So. I'm not too worried about Houston. I mean, it is a little, you know, kind of shell shocking or, or, or not shell shocking, but a little uh, 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 weird to see them at the bottom there of the standings. But I think they'll yeah. they'll correct it. But picking on Melo, blaming Melo for this is kind of asinine because it's a team game. I mean, you can't just sit here and say, hey, it's all it's like, you know, picking on a you look at a baseball lineup and you say, oh, this guy's hitting third. He's the reason why the lineup sucks. No, I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. It's not just one guy. Exactly. When you have Sacramento and Memphis with a better record than you, you know, <laughs> some shit's going wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, especially like a team like Sacramento, like they look fine this year. They look good this year. They, they've won four in a row. You know, mm-hmm. they're on the longest winning streak in years. Um, but they're going to even out too. You know what I'm saying? They're a young team. They, they're they led by Buddy Hill, De'Aaron Fox, Willie Cauley-Stein. Mm-hmm. Those are three guys who are still what all under 25 i think all under 26 or whatever they're still young guys in the league um they don't have a star and at the end of the day usually in the nba the way it works out is that stars will win you games stars will win you lead win, win you conferences and divisions and um playoff games so i expect sacramento you know it'd, it'd be cool and interesting if sacramento does like a kind of a remember the suns a couple of years ago when they were fun like about 500 when it was like uh eric bledsoe and goran dragic yep. and that first year under Hornacek, mm-hmm. um, that would be cool. Sacramento could do that, you know, especially like guys like I like Buddy Hield, I like De'Aaron Fox, but um, I think, I think as as time goes on, we're still really early in the season. I think everything will correct itself eventually. I think a lot of people are, and, and rightfully so, are putting a lot of stock into Denver and Utah uh, this season. You know, let's just hypothetically speak. Let's say Rockets are good but not as great as last year let's say uh, uh, Portland is good but not as good as last year they'll be in the top eight but like a lot of people have like as far as being the second best team in the west it's going to come down to Denver and Utah if both happen to remain healthy who do you think edges each other out do you think Denver becomes the better team or do you think Utah is the better team well, if you're just looking at it based on personnel and how they play, I would have to go to um, – I probably have to side on, on Utah um, just because defensively Utah, you can make the case, is the best defensive team in the league. Um, you know, them, Boston, um, two of the top defensive teams in the league. Denver still has questions defensively, especially with their star in Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Uh, I just think if Utah just keeps pushing and keeps, you know – making it a point to try to have Donovan Mitchell be there a one. And he's kind of, he's been up and down this season. Um, he's had great games. He's had some pretty mad games. I think if he starts to average out about where he was last year or, or even better, you know, obviously you want to see improvement in year two, but you also have year two growing pains too, for some guys. So, Utah is going to be heavily dependent on Mitchell. So if they're healthy still, but Mitchell's not playing great, I can see a situation where Utah is, you know, where they are right now in the sixth seed, seventh seed, hanging around there. And then I could see Denver. I mean, look, a lot of their guys are younger, but they've been in the league already four years, five years. Um, especially a guy like Jokic. I mean, th- that guy is just phenomenal. If, if nobody is uh, watching Denver often, make it a point to watch at least one Denver Nuggets game a week yeah. or so. I mean, Jokic is just phenomenal. Jamal Murray is, is, a, is a solid lead ball handler. Gary Harris is a good two-man wingman there for them. Uh, and when they get Will Barton back, if he comes back and he's healthy and this hip issue isn't a big hip issue, uh, his scoring, his productivity, his playmaking will be something that they need. Um, but I think, you know, Denver might be a team. Like I keep, I keep thinking about it, like a sneaky team that says, Hey, we have a lot of bunch of young prospects. We have some picks. Maybe we can get involved in something with Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, maybe we can get involved with, uh, possibly taking on Butler or working in a, a deal where we can take on a guy who might need a new home. Maybe they can call Cleveland and say, Hey, you know, you got some guys, some vets there that you won't need. Maybe they can talk about a Kevin Love thing. Maybe they can talk about a Corver thing if they want more shooting. Mm. Um, 
you know, Denver has assets and the same thing with Utah. Utah has some assets too. I just think if one of these teams, if I'm going to pick one though, if fully healthy, full capacity, you know, running, hitting on all cylinders, I'm going to go with Utah just based on their defense. I think their defense will set them apart. LeBron's new team, two and five. LeBron's old team, one and six. A lot of things going on in Cleveland, uh, NBA football wise. Their head coaches are, are getting fired left and right. Um, Kevin Love, you mentioned he's going to be out for like a month with an injury. Uh, Tyron Lue got fired. Um, you know, J.R. Smith is a little displeased with his playing time. And um, just it, it, it goes to show you how much um, impact or how much one person, one person means to a team, means to a franchise where you can just leave. And, and, and it happened before. LeBron leaves. Cavs ain't shit. And they fired a coach, I think, a little too quick. Uh, I think everybody should have known that, you know, you, you don't have LeBron on the roster. You might need 20, 25 games to give Tyron Lue to see where they at. If not, if it ain't going too well, then you get rid of him. But I think five five games was a little too much. But LeBron, on the flip side, is 2-5 and five in L.A. I think the five losses that they had, they could have won. So they could have been 5-2. and two. Um Start with Cleveland first. Uh, are you kind of shocked that this is the route that they're going in now? They're one and six. Things aren't working well. New head coach, uh, Larry Drew, who won't commit there long term just yet. And the, the the current dysfunction that the Cavaliers are having, even though they're going to get the 2022 All-Star game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Nice consolation <laughs> Compensation. Um, I mean, I'm going to steal this. This is a, this is a take, not by me, but my guy, Amin El Hassan, he recently had this, uh, uh, thought on Sirius XM NBA radio recently when the news came out, Mm -hmm. what did you expect? If you're Cleveland, what did you expect? You know what I'm saying? Like you're looking at this roster and what did you expect? True. You know, like you had all summer to do, to plan and work around this. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's say Cleveland was hoping that LeBron would resign. All right. Let's be optimistic about their output. They thought outlook, they thought, okay, LeBron's going to come back. We're going to resign. We're going to be cool. You know, that's their optimistic outlook, right? Okay. LeBron says I'm going and he didn't like wait two weeks. He didn't wait a month. He did it July 4th. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like he was quick with his decision, unlike years past. So he did it relatively quick. So you had from July 4th, let's just say these three months, July to October, to figure out what the hell you were going to do with your team. You know your roster, you know your coaches, you know your personnel, and you right. decide six games into the season that you're going to fire a coach. That's yeah. to me, and, and I agree with Amin on this point. To me, and, and you, it just, it just, it just. Um, breathes a, a, a sense of dysfunction like these guys don't know what they're doing they don't know what they're doing this seems like a big edict coming from above and you and you read the stories you know brian windhorse is good has been reporting on it joe varden has been reporting on it mm-hmm. that the edict was that the Cavs want to play their young guys right right what tyron Lou did he went ahead he played the young guys for a game screw this he put his vets back in tyron Lou gets fired shortly after Mm. And obviously that edict is coming from above either GM, maybe it's Kobe Altman, but I think it, I definitely think it's Dan Gilbert up there saying, Hey, let's do this. Let's, let's bail on this season. Okay. So if that's the ed- if that's the idea that you want this season to be, why keep Lou? Why? 
why why even fire him? Why even fire him six games in the season? You know what I mean? If that's the thing you wanted to do from the jump and you thought, hey, we want to be bad to keep our pick because they yeah. do owe a pick, I believe, to Atlanta from the Kyle Corbett trade a couple years ago. Um, they owe, I, I think it's top 10 protected. So they want to be bad, stay in that top 10 of the lottery to get a chance to maybe get a guy like RJ Barrett or Nasir Little or Zion Williamson. Um, why would you do this? Why would you keep Ty Lue? Why wouldn't you trade Kevin Love? Why would you know what I'm saying? Like, right. be bad. Like, obviously, like we have to be realistic here. And Dan Gilbert, he's a smart businessman. You know what I mean? He like he owns the Cavs. He owns Quicken Loans. He owns uh, Fathead. He owns StockX. This guy is a smart businessman. He knows what's good. So why you know business is going to be down because LeBron's gone. Might as well just trade everybody. Trade Kevin Love, get some pieces. True. Trade J.R. Smith, get some maybe a second round draft pick, maybe a, a, um, a young guy who who still needs a better opportunity to shine. I mean, you know, trade J.R. to like the Phoenix Suns for now, for example, and get Dragon Bender and see what you can get out of Bender. You never know. Um, trade Kyle Corver, trade a bunch of these uh, uh, George Hill, trade, trade these guys. Don't sit on this. Don't do this. It's just it just breeds. An idea of, hey, we don't know what we're doing and this is dysfunctional and it, everything's just going down, down, down and we don't know what's going on. And now Larry Drew, like you pointed out, I mean, Larry Drew hasn't committed to being the interim coach. Nobody knows what to call him. The media guys in Cleveland are just are just saying, hey, uh, Coach Drew, like he's not yeah. you know, the head coach. He's not the interim coach. He's just hey, there acting coach. It's, it's, it's a mess, dude. Cleveland's a mess. And it's I don't know if it's going to get any better. But they get the 2020, uh, 2022 uh, All-Star game, though, Rob. You going? Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to freeze like uh, like what happened in New York. Jeez. Oh, man. Yeah, they, they, they're just, um, you know, more down than up uh, again twice where they're, they're big-time free agent. LeBron leaves, and they get no compensation for it and just feel like, oh, you know, we, we get nothing out of it. And, and I think even though that um, – Oh, there you go. Oh, my bad, dude. I don't What's know what happened. On? Yeah, I, well, I guess all of this Cavalier talk made you hang up. Um, <laughs> I have no clue what happened, but I, you said... Um, I was saying just basically like, just the fact that LeBron leaves uh, Cleveland twice. They get nothing for it, and they, they cry wolf, and they it's like, oh, what about us? What about me? And I think, you know, to your point, if they knew... like. The bottom line is, what did you expect from this team anyway? Were you expecting playoffs? Were you expecting eighth seed? You know, uh, Kevin Love, uh, you know, acting like this is Minnesota again, where he can take over, and you know them still, you know them still being a little salty that the the the, the, the draft pick that they got from Boston wasn't gonna, wasn't or did not end up being high enough. The guys they got from Boston and Isaiah and Crowder are no longer there So since from the Kyrie trade. So I think the last year and a half had just been bad luck for Cleveland. Uh, I don't feel sorry for them because we, we, we've had some weird shit happen here with the Knicks. So uh, it, it just, I felt Tyron Lue got, got fired too quick. I don't, you know, I don't want anybody to get fired, but if it happens, it happens. But going forward, man, I don't, I don't think Kevin Love was Kevin Love got the, he resigned, right? 
Yeah, he actually signed a max. Uh, oh, I'm pretty sure either max or close to a max, a huge deal over the summer, an extension. And you wow. know they signed him and told him that they plan on keeping him. But Zach Lowe recently reported that they signed Kevin Love with the intentions of trading him yeah, because that's yeah. a good contract. That's a good number. He has a good contract number, and teams might be interested in, in doing a deal for that contract. You know, um, if you if you can kind of go down the line and, and let's say a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, maybe you know maybe you want to bring in a guy like Kevin Love, help stretch the floor out a little bit with Giannis there. Um, yeah. Maybe you do want to trade Kevin Love. To, maybe let's say brooklyn starts turning it around brooklyn has a bunch of interesting contracts a bunch of young dudes maybe brooklyn wants to bring in kevin love as a guy that can you know help bring in free agents i think kevin love and brooklyn would be a kind of two perfect pairing to be honest uh might be great for hipsterville up there but uh you know there's a lot of teams that could use a guy like kevin love and like i said earlier denver um they have a lot of interesting pieces that i'm sure cleveland would be thinking about taking on um you know, I think I honestly think this Kevin Love shelving for now is kind of going to be um, one of the first steps towards his his exit. Just because, you know, if he, I, I'm sh- I'm sure if they were compete competitive and competing for you know playoff spots right now, you know, uh, up at the top of the East around you know four, five, six. I think Kevin Love would probably be out there. Maybe he'd miss a couple games here and there, but for them to say that he's going to be out for a month. Um, it's probably they're they're on the side of all right. Let's get him as healthy as we can before December again before December fifteenth, <laughs> and see what we can get when you know every contract's on the table and eligible for trade. So I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland starts a fire sale yeah. uh, right before Christmas. That'd be real funny if somehow uh, it, you know it won't happen, but if he was to get traded back to Minnesota for for the whole Butler thing, you know, oh man. Glenn Taylor still loves him too. You know what I mean? Like every time Kevin Love goes back to Minnesota, they are, there's always pictures of him and Glenn Taylor, the owner hugging. Um, would be interesting for sure. Uh, another, uh, they could use his rebounding. Uh, they could also use his perimeter shooting and, and ability to stretch the floor a little bit. So I think that, uh, that's not a bad idea. Um, staying with the Western conference real quick, the Warriors, I think they, I think they're going to go to the finals. They might win the whole thing. 30 in a row, three peep. And you got three guys who, in the last week or so, have been putting up major performances. Kevin Durant, 25 in the fourth quarter against my Knicks. Um, Stephen Curry pouring 51. Uh, and then Clay Thompson, 52 in three quarters, 14 threes, NBA record in three quarters. Um, I think the third quarter wasn't even done yet. I think they had five or six minutes to go in the, in the third quarter. They had 92 points in the first half. I mean, Rob, come on, man. At some point, you know, this is like looking unfair. Like if you talk about who can beat the Warriors four times in a a week and a half kind of span, it's going to be tough for a team like Boston, a team like Toronto. I, I, I just don't see anybody in the West right now that can take down the Warriors. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, are we shocked? No. You know what I mean? Like, are we surprised? And was I shocked that Clay Thompson broke three point record? I mean, sure, in the sense that I thought it was going to be Steph. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I guess I'm shocked. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the best team in the NBA. Their point, differ- their point differential is thirteen point five. 
They're blowing teams out. Same with Milwaukee. Their point differential is 15.9. Milwaukee looks great right now. But uh, Golden State is just on a different level, dude. Like like you said, the last three three games, sure, it was against the Knicks, Nets, and the Bulls, three of the worst teams in the NBA, if not definitely in the Eastern Conference. They're, they're probably going to be three teams that are uh, in the lottery for sure this year. But still, I mean, if it was that easy, all the other teams would do it. That's why I don't, you know, understand why people don't appreciate this greatness. Like if, if, if what the Warriors were doing was so easy, you know, getting all these guys together and doing all this great stuff, a bunch of other teams could do. I mean, Portland, let's use Portland for an example. Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, two of the most talented guards in the NBA. They're not doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you can go down the line, pick any team you want. This Warriors team is just a different breed. They're, they're, in, they're crazy. And I like this. I like that they're doing stuff to keep them fresh. You know, this Clay Thompson record was something that the guys were talking about. If you look at any of the Chicago, um, beat reporters timeline, I think, I think Vince Goodwell had a tweet that said, uh, that Clay was or, or Steph was saying that, Hey, we got to get Clay this record, you know, by what they were stating about the scores table. Um, you know, they, they got to keep, they got to do stuff to keep him fresh. You know, the boogie thing's going to be a thing. That's going to be something that keeps them fresh when he mm-hmm. comes back. Um, they're going to keep doing these things. I think it's, it's good for them to kind of chase records, chase, you know, like they did with the 73 win, win season, maybe yeah. don't go, you know, try to win 80 games, but at the same time, maybe do try to score 200 points. Maybe do try to get 80 in a game. Maybe do try, you know what I'm saying? Like do shit to keep the season fresh because the only team that can beat the Warriors is the Warriors. True. At the end of the day, the only team that's going to beat them is themselves. I don't see a situation in which any of the teams, I mean, I'm right now, like you said, I don't see a team in the West or the East. I don't think in a series, in a regular playoff series where everything's on the line, I don't see a situation in which a team can win more than two games on them. I really don't. I, I just I don't see a team. Mm-hmm. If you go up and down the line, every team, you can do it for every team. Every team has a flaw. Every team has has something that they're missing or, or something that's wrong. The Warriors at full strength with Boogie, even though we don't know what he looks like, uh, I don't see I don't see many, if any, flaws. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like maybe pick and roll defense mm. with Demarcus Cousins at the five, but at that point you're kind of stret, you know, you're reaching for something. Um yeah, I mean this team's just insane, and I'm not surprised they're seven and one of the season. Mm-hmm. Not surprised they're scoring 124 points per game. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, like this is this is this te- the the team um, that's going to be setting records, and that we're going to look back on 20 years from now, 30 years, 40 years from now, and say, hey, this was the best team we've ever ever seen. This is the best, you know, this is the best dynasty. This is the one of the best uh, championship teams that we've ever seen. Collective mm-hmm. of talent, whatever you want to say. We're going to look back and we're going to, some people are going to regret not appreciating what we saw right now at the time, similar to how people look back on the Bulls or, or the Lakers from their, you know, late 90s or the 2000s and didn't really appreciate what those teams brought. This Warriors team is just on another level. And it's kind of insane how much better they are than every team in the whole entire league. And it's, pre- and, and, and now we're kind of like, a lot of people are like, you know what? Forget it. Don't talk about the Warriors. Screw them. Let's talk about everything else in the league and, and stir up that drama instead, which is it's fun to me to see that uh, people have decided to um, kind of not even talk about the Warriors as much and just yeah. worry about other dramas. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, just to be fun, right now the Warriors are the best team in the West, and right now the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the East. So how excited would you be for a Milwaukee-Golden State Finals, Rob? You know what? <laughs> I wouldn't. I think it would be interesting to see Giannis on that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
obviously the biggest stage he's ever been on, right. you know, anywhere in his career. Uh, you know, because his international career wasn't really wasn't a Luka Doncic esque, where you know what I mean. Like he was bouncing around the biggest league in the world, winning MVPs. Giannis was a, you know, he was playing in high school gyms in Greece before he got drafted. So like that would be interesting to see. Um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, I'd probably think it was a four one series. I mean, it. Come on, you know what I mean. Like I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I get. I understand. The, you know the top two teams, but yeah. it's it's silly that the top two teams in the each conference and one team is just so clearly head head and shoulders better than them. Mm-hmm. Just so much better than them. And and that's no slight to Milwaukee. Milwaukee's having a fantastic season. Giannis is having a great season. Chris Middleton looks fantastic. Eric Bledsoe looks really good. Um, you know, Brooke Lopez addition has been awesome for them. He's hitting, you know, he's hitting threes. He's, he's getting boards. He's, he's, um, knocking them down at the free throw line. He's having a solid season for Milwaukee and they're having a good year, but I mean, Golden State is just on another level, man. It's just really not fair. It's really not. Yeah. I would, I would love for, but I love it. I would love for a team like Milwaukee to get a guy like Butler because I think, I think, yeah, you have Giannis. I I get that. But if they had a one more person. Like another go-to star with Giannis, man, Milwaukee will be tough, bro. They'll be tough. Yeah, I, 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 one more star would definitely help them. I think if they're if they're really interested, I'm sure they could um, look at the trade market and see what teams have to offer. I mean, like I said, a guy like Kevin Love, even like to Milwaukee, would be kind of interesting if they could make the contracts work. Um, maybe kind of see if they can if they can like trade Brook Lopez, even though that would suck. I really like Brook Brook Lopez; he's a really nice guy. But mm. you know, if if Milwaukee can get in, get in discussions to acquire Love, I mean. Brooke and Kevin Love basically are Spider-Man pointing memes at this point, but one's yeah. a little bit taller. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, if, if Milwaukee could get a second guy, I just don't know who it would be. You know, uh, if somebody falls out of favor, uh, I don't know. Cleveland is obviously the one here. Maybe the Wizards, if they start selling, maybe Bradley Beal can be somebody they'd be you know, willing to acquire if they could make those contracts match up. That would be nice. You know, a nice guy who could uh, both – spot up and, and and create his own shot when Giannis isn't on the floor or or when Giannis you know needs a break and doesn't want to create um but yeah still dude I mean even if they got a guy like Bradley Beal mm. still I'm still right. picking the Warriors four to one it's insane how much the talent gap is different and I love it I love the dominance I love I love this team steamrolling other teams and just saying hey screw it we're gonna dance in the locker room afterwards and make fun of Fergie because we can yeah. you know what I'm saying I love it this is exactly. great are you surprised that Milwaukee is still if I told you hey uh Rob you know two and a half weeks into the season the last undefeated team Will be the Milwaukee Bucks. You'd be like, "Come on, come on, Red, stop." Yeah, I probably would. Honestly, um, I wouldn't be if you told me the Milwaukee Bucks is number one in the East. I'd be like, "Oh, all right, cool. Their record's what five and two, six right. and two, whatever, undefeated with the best point differential higher than the Warriors." Um, five and zero at home, two and zero on the road, six and zero in the East. So that's a little, you know, maybe that has a little bit to do with their undefeated record. But uh, at the same time, like I said, man, they're playing really well this year. Um, Eric Bledsoe has been a good player for them as kind of like the third scorer, I guess, because the pecking order is Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe. Um, if you had to pick, you know, how things would go. Um, but he's playing great. You know, Eric Bledsoe is averaging seven assists, 
13 points. Um, he's also getting almost five boards, and that's great for a point guard, dude. He's small, too. He's only like 6'2". Um, so I'm really liking how he's playing for them. Chris Middleton, I mean, he, he he's probably he's making a case to be an all-star this year, mm. especially if especially if the Bucks, you know, if the Bucks are the number one team in the East, there's no way Giannis and Middleton aren't all-stars this year. You know what I'm saying? I don't think right. there's any way. Um, Middleton's having a fantastic season, dude. He's shooting 50% from the field, 55% from three on almost seven and a half attempts. I mean, that's kind of insane. Uh, that's kind of like, think about that. That's <laughs> he's shooting seven threes a game and hitting four of them. That's a lot, dude. That's 12 points guaranteed basically to the bank. Um, so they're, they're, they're doing well, man. You know, Brooke Lopez, like I said, Brooke Lopez is, is um, 12 and a half points per game for them. And he's started every game. He's a nice addition there as the fifth man, um, a big, big uh, shooter on the perimeter. That's going to be tough for a lot of teams to switch around on. Um, his rebounding isn't the great, but it never was. I mean, you're not going to sit here and, and tell me that, oh yeah, we brought Brooke Lopez in the rebound. You didn't. I mean, like the table, He's been out on him since his Nets days, so not not a shock there. But uh, yeah, I, I like this Milwaukee team, and I'm interested to see if they do do something where it's like, hey, maybe another. Like I said, maybe a Bradley Beal's available. Maybe they do enter the Butler talks. Do they trade off guys to kind of uh, see if they can get involved in something? Because they have some interesting contracts. You know, Henson, Delavadova's making a lot of money. Those guys aren't really getting a lot of burn, right? They also have uh, uh, Tony Snell, who has a kind of bigger contract. Could they do something where they're sacrificing a couple picks, maybe put in a young guy like DiVincenzo uh, and try to see if they can get a deal done? Even Brogdon, too, who's who's important for them. He's he's a starter, but he's probably better off in a bench role. Uh, do, they, do they say, hey, screw it, we're number one in the East? Um, kind of like what the Raptors did a couple years ago. If you remember them acquiring PJ Tucker at the deadline, which was good yeah. for them. The playoffs, he came up big for them. Mm-hmm. So are they going to be a team that says, Hey, let's, let's trade for Kyle Korver. Let's, uh, let, let's, let's see if we can get maybe even Otto Porter from, from the wizards and, and try to put him in as a three man there with around Middleton Bledsoe and Giannis. I mean, that'd be a crazy defensive, a long defensive unit there. Yeah. So, uh, I think Milwaukee's in good shape. And if, you know they're not going to be undefeated all season, obviously, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see them finish up top at the East this year because they were one of the teams I was looking at. It was you know Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly uh, were the teams I was looking at, saying hey these are going to be the best teams in the East. Um, I am surprised how they're undefeated because you know even Giannis missed a game too and they still remain undefeated. So good for them. Yeah, and the Greek Freak averages 25, 14, and 5 right now. Uh, stupid. That's stupid. That's, That's stupid. stupid. <laughs> um, great player. Going to be a multiple-time All-Star. Uh, I would assume to be a Hall of Famer down the road. But, you know, let's see how Milwaukee takes this going forward. Last one I got for you. Uh, I don't think there's any time to panic in, in, in L.A. for the Lakers. 2-5. and five. They could have won the five games that they lost. Uh, we had, you know, suspensions and who do you start? We, we we had roster changes with KCP coming out and Ingram coming out, and then you plug in Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma, which I think is a better fit in the in the starting lineup with LeBron and the Lakers. Uh, just kind of give me your thoughts on the Lakers so far. Seven games in, I think Lance is doing a great job off the bench, uh, you know, providing that spark for them. What's your take on the Lakers? And uh, I would say it, it, it's not panic time, right? Um, no, I don't think it's panic time at all. I, th- I think it's, I think it's 
time. I think it's time for Lakers fans to stop overreacting to everything LeBron says. I think that's the bigger thing here. Um, that quote he had the other night about patience. You don't yeah. want to see me when I'm running out of patience was a, was a question for him about his leadership style. It wasn't a question for him how he feels right now. So, you know, as usual, people take quotes out of context and spin it and make it into a big thing. Um, you know, LeBron's having a, a LeBron season, 20, 27 points, nine boards, eight assists. That's again, stupid, just stupid numbers. Kuzma's having a great season. Ingram's having a great season when he's not punching people in the face or, or coming out of nowhere with, you know, Falcon punches into Chris Paul's jaw. Uh, you know, they're looking good. But the big, the big thing for the Lakers is going to be two things. I think their guard rotation you know, are they going to start Rondo? Are they going to start Lonzo? Are they going to start them together? Are they going to start Lonzo and Hart? Are they going to start Rondo and Hart? What's up with KCP? Their guard rotation is going to have to get figured out because I think they have a solidified idea of who their six man is, and it's going to be Lance. I think he's probably definitely going to be the first guy off the bench, uh, you know, kind of being that mm-hmm. kind of bridge from when Braun's about to step off to when the second unit fully comes on and then he'll probably be the first man off uh, when Braun comes back. But they have to figure out who's going to be the backcourt. And the second thing is their big man rotation. I mean, you cannot... JaVale McGee is fine as a rim-running big who can block some shots. Okay, cool, great. But... At the same time, and, and you know, Javel's averaging three blocks a game, so that's great. I think he leads the league in blocks per game. Uh, at the same time, when Javel's off the floor, who's your center? Kuzma is not a big man. Kuzma's not a center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ingram's definitely not a center. He's way too skinny, way too, way too uh, uh, small to be in there. Kuzma's a fake center. LeBron, when LeBron's the five, quote unquote, and I'm doing air quotes, great podcasting, I know, but yep. when LeBron's the five, he's not playing five. He's playing free safety. You know what I mean? He's camping. He's chilling around the baseline area there trying to help out on rotations and stuff. He's not, you know, protecting the paint, posting up with a guy like Jokic or, or um, you know, Paul Millsap or, or Yusuf Nurkic, these big prodding bigs, uh, Valanchunas, those guys, even Cat, he's not going to do that in the post. So I think they're two – there are two things that they need to address. If they do want to make a playoff push and they do want to be a respected team in the West, which I think they have a chance to do. I mean, you have LeBron James, so anything's possible. Uh, so I think they, they need to hammer down their guard rotation, figure out if it's going to be Lonzo or Rondo, basically, or if it's going to be at the two, if it's going to be Hart or KCP. And in my opinion, if it was me, I'd do Rondo and Hart, Lonzo and KCP off the bench because you're getting best of both. So you're doing Rondo's defense with hearts shooting and then when you switch it you're going to bring in what's supposed to be lonzo's playmaking and shooting with kcp's what's supposed to be kcp's defense um so i think those that's how the rotation should go and and if and if i'm the lakers this was an idea brought up by my my guy black trey uh recently on one of our podcasts on a on a daily ding show we were talking about the lakers you know the lakers should look at a guy like nikola vucevic in orlando if they really want to win He's a good center. Okay. I understand he's not the sexiest name in the world, and I understand maybe a lot of fans don't even know who he is. But I mean, you know, dude's a twenty and ten player. He's a he's a solid big man. He's uh he's been trying to stretch out his shot, and I think he'd be a nice starting center. Javale coming off the bench, providing high energy, high impact rim running, rim protection. Because Javale, you know, him playing twenty six minutes per game, that's great, but that's not going to last. Javale doesn't have the endurance for that, as we've seen in his time with the Warriors. So I think the Lakers need. To, if they really are serious, they should look around and see what they can get. 
maybe they can trade for a guy like Vucevic. I'm sure his his uh, trading for him probably wouldn't be a, an, an issue, and, and mm-hmm. they wouldn't have to give give up too much for him. So um, I'm not too concerned right now with the Lakers. I just think it's early season growing pains from a team that – um, was brought together that had no cohesion. You know, this isn't the usual cast of characters LeBron brings with him to a new team. You know what I'm saying? Like James Jones isn't here. Uh, we're not getting the same kind of, you know, his coaches are, aren't there. The guys he's been used to playing with. Um, it's a, it's a new younger crew. Um, he's coming in and playing with a bunch of young guys, which is what we thought he was going to do. I mean, remember when he came back to Cleveland, we were like, wait, hold up. He's going to play with Wiggins and Bennett. What's going on here? And eventually they yeah. made a deal happen and, and they became a, a more veteran team with love and, and a bunch of the older guys they signed. But for him, for LeBron, this is a new venture. This is playing with a bunch of young guys. This is playing with Kuzma, Ingram, Hart, Alonzo uh, Ball, even Svi Mikhailuk, who's a fantastic shooter coming off the bench for them. I think he could help them out um, shooting a little bit. And, and Mo Wagner, whenever he gets back, he'd be a nice addition, you know, back up big, stretch big. But yeah, I'm not too concerned about the the Lakers right now, I still have hopes that they'll make the playoffs. They, that would be a fun, you know, six, seven, eight team to sneak in. Uh, LeBron doesn't have home court for probably, I believe the first time in his career. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the Lakers this season, man. It's, it's not, it's, there's not going to be a game where there's not a story coming out of it. So in your mind, real quick, this Laker team, the way it is right now, it ain't going to stay the same, right? I don't if they have if they have true aspirations of playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, being a six, seven, eight team, maybe even higher, maybe top, you know, because last year, as we remember, the three through nine were separated by what two games, I think it was, yeah. um, in the West, the the three through nine standings. So if they truly want to be a playoff team, they have to make changes. You can't have JaVale McGee playing twenty five minutes a night, um, and, and even 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 further to the point. The guard, you you need a better uh, a lead guard back there because uh, Rondo and, and Lance and Lonzo and Hart, while they're showing flashes, um, they're not going to separate you from a, a another team. You know what I'm saying? Like they, you need a legit, a, a semi legit. Now I'm not saying go out there and say, hey, can we trade for John Wall? That's crazy. Um, but I mean, you you don't know what players might become available from which teams. Uh, that are maybe not performing to the standard that they need to. But yeah, I mean, long story short, yeah, th- th- if they want to make the playoffs, this is not going to be the same roster we see yeah. um, going forward. And I think LeBron eventually will probably get that itch around January if he sees they're like hovering at 500. And I think he's going to be like, you know, nice little nudge to magic and say, hey, I might have to do something here. Right. And for all you Laker fans out there who don't want to panic just to have fun with you guys, you got the two and five. Same record as the Chicago Bulls, New York Knicks, Orlando Magic, Brooklyn Nets, Atlanta Hawks, and the Dallas Mavericks. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's elite class right there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, come on, man. If you got a worse record than the Atlanta Hawks, (laughs) something ain't going right. Hey, at least Houston's worse than L.A., so they'll be all right. Yeah, Houston's tied for the, no, worst record, uh, Cleveland and the Wizards. Uh, Don't even get me started on Washington. Oh, man, that's That's a dumpster fire. That's a different story. But, um, Rob, always appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming on. You can follow Rob on Twitter at R0BATO, Robato, right? Um, Yes, sir. Does great work for Def Pen Sports. What else you got going on, Rob? 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm you know, editor-in-chief at Def Pen Sports, covering uh, NBA with Def Pen Hoops. I'm also producing podcasts for Count the Dings. I'm doing a daily NBA show called The Daily Ding, 20 minutes every morning when you wake up, so check that out. Um, and I'm also doing social media for FanDuel. FanDuel Daily Fantasy Sports app. So those of you who are interested in, you know, gambling, make a little bit of money, come check us out at FanDuel. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to trying to keep uh, trying to keep myself busy, stay out of trouble. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. Rob uh, Lopez, thank you, man. I appreciate it. No doubt, buddy. All right, man. Take it easy. Peace. All right.